Welcome to Screed Talks. My name is Mike Pence, and this is my co-host, Don Gallagher. Hello, hello. Today will be our introductory episode. Yeah, buddy. So Screed Talks is a podcast designed for the asphalt paving industry. It's, it's designed to shine a light on jobs and opportunities and tech and pretty much a catch-all for the asphalt industry. We believe that asphalt paving is kind of like the backbone of the infrastructure in the country. And so we don't really have a good place to have continual dialogue or to learn new things and things like that. It tends to be very product driven or it tends to be machine driven as opposed to actually talking about some of the issues surrounding that. So that's one of the primary goals of this podcast as we move forward, right? I mean, is there anything you want to add to that? Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think that this is kind of a, a learning opportunity for the both of us and anybody else out there looking to, you know, just learn more about this industry. And, uh, you know, we hope to talk about stuff that either we want to learn about or, you know, you guys give us feedback on what you guys want to hear and want to learn more about. Yeah, there's a lot of experience out there. And, and one of the things that we'll kind of hint at as we introduce ourselves is there's a wealth of knowledge that our generation and our younger generation and young men and women getting into the industry, they don't always see that perspective because there hasn't really been a good forum to have discussions about that stuff. So that's one of the primary goals is our ability to take knowledge in from other generations, to take uh, experiences in and just to have something to get us thinking and try to help us mature quicker and understand more about the industry. Um, People are probably going to wonder who we are, right? So Don, why don't you tell everybody who you are, who you work for, tell us a little bit about your business and kind of where your history is. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So like Mike alluded to, I'm Don Gallagher. I am fourth generation at our family company here in Thornton, Illinois at Gallagher Asphalt. We are a 90-year-old company. Uh, My great-grandfather started the business back in 1928, and we've been paving roads ever since. Before kind of coming over to this industry, I went to school at Purdue University for electrical engineering and then went off on my own for about four and a half years and did design work for wireless hot tub controls, uh, pool and spot controls, lighting, uh, switching, photo controls for street lights and stuff like that. So did that for a while and then decided to finally make the jump that I've always wanted to and come back to the family company. So you kind of always knew that you wanted to go work with the family, right? Yeah. I mean, growing up in the industry, right? Days off of school or whatever, you go to work with dad, play around in the rock piles and and just have a good time. See all the big equipment. I mean, what what little kids don't like the big equipment? And No, it's cool. I mean, I grew up around it. Well, I grew up around it too, but I, I kind of tried to avoid it. Um, <laughs> we'll get into that a little later. Um, so what made you try to find uh, another position and kind of go so your oats, so to speak, elsewhere before joining the company? Was that something where you just wanted to kind of bring a fresh perspective or what was kind of the thinking behind some of that? Because you guys have such a rich history at Gallagher. Right. Every male figure and female figures in your life had worked for Gallagher. So right. what was the impetus for that? Yeah. So um, we have a family rule where we uh, have to go off on our own for four to five years. Um, we go to college, you know, go to school, learn what you want to learn, what you have interest in, and then kind of go off on your own for, for four to five years and get experience at other companies and see what they kind of do well and what they don't do well. Right. And then, and plan to, to hopefully bring that back to the company to improve things. And, um, I went out and 
did my time basically, as I would say, and <laughs> kind of came back, you know, the whole mindset behind going out on our own for the four to five years is so that we don't, I guess, feel entitled, right? That, that we have a job guaranteed for us, go out, learn. And then if you want, then you can come back. You, you know, you pay a lot of money for these college degrees now. Um, let's put them to good use. And, you know, who knows, maybe you enjoy that more than what you thought you would want to come back to the company. Fortunately for us, you know, my brother and uh, two of my cousins came back. So there's four of us now back at the company. So it's it's uh, a lot of fun working with them. Uh, fourth generation coming up, you know, trying to take things over. <laughs> right. Well, yeah. And just, just knowing your family too. I mean, your dad's kind of a, very similar to my father. He's a sink or swim type of guy. Like, sure, go try it. Right. And kind of kind of fail and succeed on your own merits, but that that teaches you a lot and you learn a lot. So a- along those lines, as far as like, hey, yeah, figure it out type thing. When you came on board with Gallagher after going to college and then working as an electrical engineer, etc., what did you start out doing? Did you go right into like the plant management stuff that you're doing now, or like where did you start? What did that kind of look like? So just to understand more about your experience so far. Um, just, you know, with the electrical design background, when I first started, I came on, on the equipment side of things, overseeing our equipment fleet, just monitoring maintenance, doing that sort of thing, as well as installing our new ERP system for accounting and stuff like that. So Mm -hmm. I, I assisted with that and getting our equipment put into there and getting all of our preventative maintenance schedules stored and uploaded and and set up properly so that, you know, we would get notifications when, when a machine is getting up to its hours for that section of maintenance that we could get it scheduled to get done so that we don't have any downtime on equipment breakdowns, you know, that'll slow up the field production and, and that sort of thing. So I worked for eight or nine months on that. I started back in January of 2017. So I did that for about eight or nine months. And then shortly after that, moved over to the plant side of things back in November of 2017. And so I've been been on the plant side ever since and uh, really enjoying it, learning a lot. And And now you're overseeing a couple plants now, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I oversee three of our asphalt plants and uh, two wrap crushing plants as well. So which, what, what do you like best about your current position? Uh, the learning opportunities. There's so much to learn. It's just, it's overwhelming at times. Yeah. Every time I talk to you, you're taking like continual educational classes or you were just down somewhere doing another safety training and, uh, more classes. And at all the Napa events, I know that you're, you're going to the majority of classes, especially when they're pertinent to the plant side. Um, it seems like there's way more to know about it than uh, what I can even imagine, really. Yeah, it's uh, it's definitely, you know, you learn something new every day. And if you don't learn something, you didn't do anything that day type of thing, right? Um, yeah. But no, it's cool. You know, I got a good group of guys with me that, that have been doing it a while. And uh, I know that they'll help coach me and they take the time to teach me what I need to know to to better help them, right? Yeah, because all the guys on your team, quote unquote team, the people that you work with, I mean, they have a lot of years of experience, right? Yeah, yeah, they've they've been around the plants for for uh, quite a few years. Yeah, I mean, you guys have been a little bit of trendsetters with some some of the stuff that you guys do. So it's we try. It's interesting, and to see how you will continue that in this next generation, innovative thinking and new ways to manage your plants and new ways to be more efficient and. You know, I mean, we'll get into that in another episode because one of the things we want to talk about is automation and plant automation, which I have no idea about whatsoever. 
I think that that'll be really, really cool for both of us to kind of learn all those different things. Yeah, I mean, technology is is crazy, right? It just doesn't stop growing and changing, and innovation is is key. And to stay up on that is is where you need to be. If you don't, then you're going to be behind. Yeah, it's super, super interesting. Do you find that the family dynamic is good? I feel like everyone that I know in your family, everyone kind of has a different take on things. You're unified for sure, but everybody has a little bit of a different perspective. So it's not like you and your brother are going to do the same thing because you each have a different skill set. Your cousins have different skill sets. How do you find that meshing? Are there things that you guys do? I know you guys have dinners together and things like that. Are there things that you guys try to do consistently to make sure that you're all on the same page? Yeah, I mean, a lot of it is, you know, planning and and communication. And, you know, we know we're all going to end up running the company together and, um, you know, building the relationship now. I mean, we've always been real close growing up. So that that's always helped right. too with the relationships. But yeah, it is uh, it is kind of cool that everyone kind of has their own areas. So it's not, you know, nobody's stepping on other people's toes of trying to tell them how they should be doing their thing that it's kind of like, all right, you know, you know that you enjoy it. You go run with it. I trust you to do what's right. And uh, if you've got questions, you know, bring them up. Let's let's talk about them and we'll get the answer and we'll, you know, keep moving forward. Yeah, I think that that's really cool how that how you guys foster that stuff, because it can be, as you know, we've talked off the air about how, you know, multi-generational businesses are, are essentially doomed to fail. Like they're one of the toughest things to do. Any independent business is incredibly hard, but multi-generational families, as soon as the next generation comes in, a lot of times, the vast majority of times, companies will fail or drastically decrease the quality of their work. And you guys do not have that history of doing that. Yeah. I mean, at each generation you keep, you know, you build, but the percentage for success rate just dramatically drops. I think it's like 3% or something right. crazy for third generation. And to think that I'm about to be fourth generation. So, you know, it, it's crazy that no pressure. We have, yeah. Right. No pressure <laughs> at all that we have less than 3% chance of success. But, you know, between my father, my uncles, you know, kind of what they put in place and then the mindset of, my brother my and my two cousins and myself, you know, I, I think we should have no problem keep chugging along. I mean, I think just staying up on, on the new technologies and where the industry is and knowing your business will, you know, help keep you moving forward. Yeah, I think it's awesome. And I, and I love the fact that, and, and we're going to talk about this also as part of the podcast, we have uh, some interviews lined up with other multi-generational families just to get an idea with what are some of the struggles you face? What's it like doing this? You're only in the family business for the last two years. It's still kind of the honeymoon phase. Right. I know you guys have had your headbutting sessions, but it's still, you know, I think each one in your generation has the attitude of, I want to learn and keep this going. And that's, that's super commendable to what your parents taught you, which is responsibility and taking ownership for the future. And that includes your work ethic. That includes the company that includes the people that you work for. I know that the people that work for you and work with you view you as part of their family and they view themselves as part of the Gallagher family. And I think that's one of the biggest misconceptions that aren't always communicated in any of the construction industries uh, as far as media or um, any discussions go is a lot of these companies are, are family run businesses. A lot of these companies are very, very close to it. Sure. You have your giant conglomerates, but even then in their, in like their different subdivisions, you know, like the knife river guys or 
uh, some of the Colas guys or all these different people. They, they definitely have their family that they've built and they view things that way. People are very near and dear to them and the turnover rate is not very high because people worked there for 40 years. And that's how you build the culture. Yeah. Side note here, funny story. My cousin just texted me and said, hey, what's the name of your podcast that you're starting? And I said, funny story. I'm in the middle of recording right now. <laughs> and he goes, he goes, 10-4, keep it going. I was convincing a girl last night to listen to it. <laughs> I mean, that's uh, if, if we can help him out, you know, by all means, let me just tell you what a great guy he is. And... <laughs> dude promotion of the podcast man i mean that's how we're gonna get it that's out there funny. and get people involved right i mean word of mouth tell all your friends tell your girlfriends tell the girls that you're looking for tell your wives that's right tell everybody I mean, <laughs> that's this is awesome man <laughs> i had to throw that out there hey if it works it works man i'm cool with that i'm cool with that so so, so enough about me and kind of what we got going on who are you who is michael pence so I'm kind of we're part of the we're the redheaded stepchild of the equipment and asphalt industry. At least that's what we tell people. So I'm Mike Pence. I work for Calvin Group Incorporated. We're also a family company. It's my dad and I, and we've recently brought my brother in a few years ago doing sales for us. And so what we do is we buy and sell asphalt paving equipment used uh, all around the world. We focus only on like highway class rolling stock equipment. We don't really do a lot of driveway pavers. Like we don't do a lot of the Lee boys, Malden champion pavers. Um, we'll do it if it's like a specialty cart path paver, but really we focus on things that are going to be on the commercial roads on the highway roads. So shuttle buggies, distributors, pavers, eight and 10 foot milling machines, chip spreaders, road wideners. And and so we just kind of have this little niche and we just stick with that. I don't do, I think I've sold one wheel loader in the last five years, six years. We just, we just, or even greater is the same thing. We just don't really get into that. We really focus on the equipment that makes the surface of the road. And so we, dad started us uh, in 1996, but our roots go back a lot further than that. My grandfather ran a dealership for 40 years in Western Pennsylvania. It was a Blonox case Dynapack dealership. In, in the old Blonox circles, he was known as Mr. Blonox just because anytime a new paper would come in, he'd find something or fix it. Or This was before there were the, the manufacturer pushed updates. It would be, hey, here's this engine, and I found this such and such that was wrong. And, and, and his whole story was he started out as a mechanic and then worked his way up to um, running the Western Division of Shell Equipment. Uh, for years and he had unprecedented market share he had like 98 percent market share in, in pennsylvania that's um, crazy <laughs> and to preface all that my grandfather's attitude towards asphalt was as an equipment dealer we are your support we would be gallagher's support team so anything that gallagher needed to keep them going it would be our job as a dealer to provide that all of those necessities that meant keeping the parts in stock that meant keeping backup pavers in stock that meant whatever you needed. His whole philosophy was never lose a load of asphalt. And so he can count the time on his hands in 40 years, how many loads of asphalt any of his customers ever lost. That's crazy. Just think about that. That's nuts. <laughs> that's, that is, that's insane. That's, that is absolutely insane. And, and it's, it's, you know, one of the stories that always comes up is, um, 
it was like midnight, one o'clock one night. And my grandfather got my dad up and he's like, Hey, we got to go. You want to come? I got to go to the airport. Okay, sweet. Let's go. And here, what had happened is the solenoid blew. They were doing back with the old Blonox. I think it was a 150 or 180. Anyways, it was a normal 10 to 18 foot paver. They were paving 20 to 25, 30 foot wide at an airport. And so they had multiple trucks lined up. They had like six trucks lined up, et cetera, and a solenoid blew. And so he got this call and he's president of the company of this area. And he says, okay, I got to get taken care of. So he takes my dad, goes to the store. No, he doesn't go to the store. He goes to the airport, meets them there. I mean, he could have gone to the store, right? Buy some breakfast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, early, it, it, right? it, it, he could have, but it was the opposite direction. Anyways. <laughs> Um, he's in his full suit because that's the type of guy he was. He always wore his suit, shined his shoes, etc., which he hates how we dress now. But <laughs> <laughs> but um, he gets down there, pulls the solenoid out, finds out there's a leak in it, dries it off, has them up and running, and they didn't lose a single load of asphalt. And then he had a guy there at 8 o'clock the next morning with the new part. That's great. So that's the kind of pressure that i'm under <laughs> to live up to because not only was my grandfather that way my dad's the exact same way my dad's whole attitude is he's you know we're selling used equipment but if there's something wrong we're going to make it right period no ifs ands or buts whatever else and me as the young arrogant kid back then, i'm like well it's a used piece what's the and i didn't necessarily understand that level of customer service before seeing that in my well because you didn't do customer service in your in your background right no so that's kind of the history of the company that's kind of that's where the company comes from my dad um for like 10 years 15 years he worked selling uh heavy construction equipment he he sold like link belt excavators um dirt stuff he uh was a sales manager at a john deere dealership and so I grew up around those things, but I'm not the ultimate sales guy. These guys are the ultimate sales guys. They know everything about the equipment. My grandfather was a mechanic. He knew everything about the equipment. My dad is, I mean, you know my dad. He's like the most likable person on the planet. Oh, yeah. Everybody loves him and it's a lot to live up to. <laughs> <laughs> and so me, I have more of a marketing mentality. I'm more of a programming brain. I went to school and I started out in programming and it ended up just doing business management and marketing. Like you, I was programming industrial enclosure boxes, like electrical panels right. and industrial lighting and, and doing a bunch of those things. So I, I programmed some of that. I did customer service for them. I did marketing and website. I did packaging. I kind of ended up doing a whole host of things. You know, I always tease people that I'm, I'm just the janitor. I, I can just, I'll just clean up behind everybody else to make them more efficient. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's what I'm good at. And so I, I worked there for a year or two, and then I worked for a product development firm called Fitch out of Columbus, Ohio. They're based out of London, but Columbus is their, was their U.S. operations headquarters. And so I was doing business development and account management and account strategy for their product development side. And so I got to work with companies like Apple and LG, um, and we, did, we worked on the uh, Sanford pens. We did all of the structural packaging for specialized bikes. So any of the boxes that you saw in the late 2000, before 2010, um, we designed those boxes. Uh, we worked with HP and Microsoft on structural packaging. We did a whole host of really interesting things. And so I had a lot of responsibility and a lot of really unique situations dumped on me very, very quickly. 
um, that I just kind of fell into. And so my career since then has been kind of really focused on this idea of brand management, this idea of marketing management, this idea of efficiency and, and making your product and making the things that you do as efficient as possible. And so unlike you, I didn't really want to work in the industry. I was like, no, I'm going to do program. I'll do something cool, man. Right. Um, as opposed to my father, who was when my dad was 10 years old, telling my grandfather, I want to sell big iron like you. I want to do this. He always knew what he wanted to do. My brother was the same way. Me, I was like, nah, eh, I don't know, man. And, and it was incredibly naive of me at the time. But uh, what ended up happening was, is we had a, like 120 engineers at Fitch for the product development side. And they decided, Fitch in London decided to focus on retail design and development. So they were also responsible for doing designing the Victoria's Secret stores, Bath and Body Works, Abercrombie and Fitch, a bunch of those store experiences. Fitch was kind of behind the Walmart big box retail idea and placement for how you how you set that up, how to set up a shopping and retail experience. And so they got rid of these bunch of people. They asked if I wanted to go on that side. I wanted to stick with the product development side. And eventually they just laid off the entire division. Oh, wow. And so when that happened, I had looked around for some other marketing jobs and I'd gotten my foot wet with a few places that just didn't quite, let's just say there were some situations that had made me uncomfortable with some of the willingness to market certain companies and in, in, in a direction in which they wanted to go um, and the services that they would provide for companies. So I was looking for a job. I was kind of floundering and dad said, Hey, I could use some help on the website. You know, I could maybe use some help with some marketing stuff and some support stuff. You know, maybe you can then do some sales, et cetera. And I was like, eh, let's try it. Okay. That was over 10 years ago. <laughs> so <laughs> haven't looked back. Have you? No, no. As soon as I started getting involved and I started, what was interesting is as soon as I started to learn more and again, from the outside looking in, you look at construction, you look at these things, you say, oh, these are dirty jobs, like the whole micro stuff. You're like, oh, this is a tough job. This is this. Or, oh, I don't know if I want to go into construction. Or da, 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 da. And what I realized very, very quickly was there was so many intelligent people. There were so many opportunities. There was so much to learn. The technology aspect in the industry, it's, it's definitely antiquated. We're behind the times and how we use I mean, look at, look at how social media has been blowing up and how we're, our industry's finally starting to use that, or our industry finally has some blogs and we're getting to that point. But a lot of these guys were so used to doing all of their business on a phone or with a handshake in person that the support structure technology, uh, from a technological standpoint, just wasn't necessarily there. And so, for example, my dad in the late nineties was already using email marketing to broadcast equipment. Okay, sweet. How can we do that better? How can we take that to the next level? How can we get our website doing better? How can we do this? And so that's, I had this kind of hunger kind of woke up because I'm like, wow, there's so many amazing opportunities. How could I have been so naive? Luckily, you know, dad being the sales guy that he is and me being the process guy that he is, we don't really like we could hash all of our differences out very, very quickly. And it's just a matter of, hey, what's going to be most effective for our customers, for our clients for the people that we're selling for, for the dealers that we're doing appraisals for. And we were very unified from the start. And so that was about 10 years ago. And so for the first few years, it was still me. I was revamping our email system, which now I run ourselves. I was revamping 
the website and figuring out what we needed there. I was looking at our processes on how we capture information and how we keep track of our stuff. And so I was focused on that side for a couple of years. And then I got the itch and I'm like, Hey, I want to sell too. Right. And dad had this for me, it applied in that I had already done it and worked somewhere else, but he had that same mentality was, Hey, work three to five years somewhere else, bring me a new perspective and let's make this thing work. Because otherwise, if I just give it to you, you won't learn anything. Yeah, no, exactly. I mean, that was a You'll never learn a hard lesson. lesson unless you need to go hungry. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. Yeah, not everything is handed to you in life, right? You got to right. work for it and, and so earn the, it. So. so the first year that I finally went on to, as commission sales, you know, I didn't make any money the first three or four months. Zero dollars. Right. Yeah. It was horrible and terrible. But at the same time, it motivated me because I'm like, I have to get over this hump. I have to get past this. And we got past it, you know, and luckily it was an, it was an encouraging three months, even though it was tough three months. Right. But I realized that I needed to take ownership of the direction of the company, the direction of my future, the direction of all of these things and channel it and be very specific about it. Cause I hadn't been before, you know? Right. And so that's kind of how I got to where we're at now. And my brother came on two or three years ago. And so he's doing outside sales for us. Um, he's mainly focused on like some of the Southern states and he's working his tail off and doing a great job. And, and it's kind of come full circle. You know, we're, we're sustainable. We're doing very well. We're having a lot of fun. You know, it's to the point now where we're doing, we're doing appraisals for most of the dealerships in the country on a lot of things. We're more than happy to help put numbers on stuff just because it helps us one know the market, but two, when it comes to selling the equipment, it's it's very very hard. The the vast m- amount of equipment that is sold in the in the United States worldwide even is dirt equipment. Your John Deere's, your Caterpillars, your motor graders, your wheel loaders, your backhoes, your cranes, all that kind of stuff. And asphalt kind of plays second fiddle to that. I mean. I know that you've experienced that sometimes with some of the dealerships that you've had, but they're doing their best to get educated people on staff to say, Hey, we need to focus on this niche because it's, it's different than the dirt market. Right. It's a big in the transportation, right? Yeah. (laughs) I mean, you always have commercial and real estate building and and stuff like that, where you're going to get the dirt work for the big box stores and stuff. But how do you get the trucks from, from there to its destination, right? Roads. Yeah. How do you get roads? Pave them with asphalt. Exactly. Exactly. And that's something that we'll be hitting on a lot. You'll see that as a common thread throughout this podcast is you and I both believe that the asphalt paving industry is kind of the backbone of infrastructure. It is the backbone of infrastructure, but it also is, I I also believe you also believe it's the backbone of commerce and everything else that we do. If we didn't have the highway system and the roads that we have and the people dedicated to working on these things, it also requires the government to be committed to work on these things. Mm-hmm. Funding is important. But without those things, that's that's the very basis of of American life. <laughs> you know, right. we all use cars to go to work. We all do these things, and so just being able to be part of that is something that's really really interesting to me. You know, I mean, the equipment sales stuff is fine, but ultimately for us, what's most interesting for me is the the relationships that I get to build with guys like you. The sales, a sales, a sale. Cool, whatever. Yeah, I have to make a living. But I'm way more interested in finding ways to partner with stuff because I want, you know, you have a brand new son. 
Right. I want my boy to work with your boy. You know what I mean? Right. I want our kids to have the same relationship that we're trying to build and that we have built. And that, that to me is the most rewarding part about being in the industry. I know, I know dad feels the same way. Dad was in Bauma and, um, we want to talk to him about that, but he's seen people that he hasn't seen in years. And it's, it's not like a high five and, or a handshake. It's like people are giving him hugs, you know? <laughs> right. Yeah. No, relationships are important. You know, I was talking to a, a coworker and you have your vendors and, and that are just there to sell you it. Right. Yeah. That's all they want to do is they just want to sell you. It. And then you have the guys that want to partner with you. And the great thing about the partnerships and the relationships are you build a relationship. You're trying to help each other's business grow, right? You're there to help each other out when they're stuck, when they need assistance, you know, you're there for support and, and that's what's important. That's what keeps business going. You know, if you have a relationship with somebody, you say, oh, okay, I know I can go to this person because they can help me out. You know, I could go to Calvin Group to sell a piece of equipment or for them to find me a piece of equipment. Yeah. Yeah. And then that's, and that's kind of, that's the way we look at stuff. We, our whole, our whole goal at Calvin Group is we're, we're all about augmentation is, is how I phrase it. So for example, you have dealers that you work with constantly and you're going to buy new equipment from them and you should. But there's going to be stuff right. that is off brand or there's going to be stuff that might be hard to sell or that you don't want to put your competitors necessarily into business by giving them a brand new or gently used paver just because you didn't like it. And that's where we can come in to say, hey, we can help you move this. If you can sell it, sweet. If not, and you want to move it outside of territory, cool, we can do that. Or, hey, you need help with this because you're a cat dealer taking a Vogel a paver, sweet. We'll help you move that because you're the cat dealer. You guys do what you do best and we'll be here to support you any way we can. That's my philosophy in life in general. That's Calvin Group's philosophy. That's been dad's. I don't know if he would articulate it the same way. He'd probably do it much more enthusiastically. <laughs> <laughs> but that's our whole, our whole goal is that. And so that's kind of the approach that we take. That's one of the reasons as we started talking about screed talks, you know, I mean, we were just shooting the breeze. And it was like, hey, what if we did this? You know, this would be cool. I would listen to that. We've got so many guys on the road. I think this would be cool. What do you think? And you were like, yeah, we should do this. So yeah. I mean, of- this all started at sitting at the bar, right? We're like, hey, you know, we really need to get this stuff out there for people to hear. Like, it would be really cool to start a podcast. And some people overheard us and was like, I want to be in on that. I want to, I want to listen to this. Um, yeah, we actually had a good response. It ended up being like what we primarily talked about at the Napa annual meeting in Marco Island, just because I don't know, it just came up and we got kind of got excited about it. And, and it just got us thinking, you know, one of the things that was really interesting is Mike Rowe came and spoke and his whole thing was focusing on, Hey, there's trade jobs out here. Nobody's talking about trade jobs. Dirty jobs was a fun show, but my whole goal in that was to show that there are amazing, hardworking people and good careers out here in trade jobs. And that's kind of his whole mission statement now is this idea that um, you can go to Little World Arts School, come out of school making 30 grand, or you can go to trade school for two or three years and be coming out of it making 60 to 80 grand and providing jobs that other people don't want. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's the big thing, especially for, for the construction asphalt industry is there's so many people that are starting to leave the industry due to age or you know, a lot of hard work and they're ready to, to call it quits, but you don't have that, the younger generation coming in because college and and higher education is being pushed so much that we don't have the guys to, to come in and backfill for those guys. And that's kind of the whole purpose 
behind screen talks, right, is to not only talk about, you know, what's going on in the industry and what new technology and equipment and hearing people's backgrounds and experiences, but also trying to get out the job opportunities and getting people involved in the industry because it is such a great industry. I mean, everybody that I've talked to looks forward to the Napa events, looks forward to Con Ag, World of Asphalt, mid-year meetings, Mm -hmm. you know, because you get to, to network with people all throughout the world, basically, and, and see what they're doing and how can you implement that technology or that process into your business to help, you know, propel you guys forward to improve stuff. So, yeah, it's, it's awesome. And I tell you what, we have, we have a wonderful organization nationally that supports this industry, which national asphalt paving association, Napa, we have wonderful state chapters and local chapters doing the exact same thing, providing education and encouraging people. But you're right. There's a generational gap that exists. There's people coming in as mechanics that are younger to get some of that trade school influence, but there aren't necessarily tech guys coming into the street, you know, like there's so many opportunities for engineers, for tech, for the mechanics, a career with longevity for even poli sci people and communication majors and marketing majors and things like that. You know, the average age is is probably over 45 or 50 now in the industry. Um, right. We need to do some research on that to figure out what that is. Cause it is, it's very much up there. But what's interesting about it is most of the guys that are in this industry, they're not flashy but they have so much knowledge and so much wisdom to share with us. And they're more than happy to share it if you ask them. And that's one of my primary goals is I want to learn as much as I can by hearing from guys who have done this stuff. Like here's a good example. One of the guys that we're going to interview that we're just finalizing interview questions and some things like that in an upcoming episode is Tony White. Tony White actually worked for my grandfather and then he worked for Lee Boy and he's been in this industry for over 40 years. And he's seen the rise and fall of companies. He's seen firsthand dealerships changing manufacturers and and has experienced the whole gamut of what can go wrong with a paver, what can go well with a paver, what can go wrong on a job, what cannot go wrong on a job. And I want to know what advice he has for us as younger guys. Agreed. What should we know? What can we learn? We want to sit down with guys from Caterpillar Paving, with guys from Workin, with other people that have been in the industry for many, many years, like our parents, and say, what can you teach us, man? What do you love about it? What gets you excited? What gets you up in the morning? This isn't just a job to you. you know. There's easier jobs. There's right. more creative jobs. But there's something about this that has kept you doing this for 40-some years, for 30-some years, for even you know, 15, 20 years. It's really interesting. What made you get into the industry? I mean, that's a big one too, right? Exactly. And so that's just one of the channels that we're going to be focused on at Screed Talks is I want to talk to these people. I want to learn from these people, people whose names that our listeners have heard before. You know, Napa has put us in touch with their engineers and, and we can talk about how, you know, Napa as an organization has multiple engineers on staff, like 10 to 15 plus just designed to help their members. Why such passion and such and such a commitment in the industry? Aren't you competing with each other? Aren't you doing this stuff? And the reality is no. There's there's common goals, there's common threads, there's common values that everybody we haven't really talked about, but they're there. And so I want to talk about those things. And I want to talk about the political ramifications of stuff. One of the things, you know, you and I talked about this off air. I want to talk about the Federal Highway Act of 56. 
What did that look like? Why was it put in place? What was the impact on commerce? What was the impact on the military? And have a discussion about it. Let's get some people's takes on it. I think that it can be a really interesting thing to shine a light on the industry, not just for those of us who want to get into the industry, but those of us outside of it who might not necessarily realize I would love for there to be a situation where someone who isn't in the industry is driving past a construction site and sees the road comes up and sees slow down and then slows down because they're listening to us or they heard something from us and they're like, hey, that guy, I appreciate that guy. You know what I mean? Right. He's got a family, you know, and I mean, at least for us that we do the road construction, we do the lay down, you know, we, we want all of our guys to be as safe as possible. We want them to get home to their families at the end of the day. Nobody wants anybody to get hurt. Yeah. And and I, I think that's one of the big things about creating that, that culture that we talked about earlier of one big family. You know, everybody looks out for, for each other, like their siblings and mm-hmm. and that sort of thing. All these guys have families, right? That that they want to go home to. Some of them have kids, some of them don't, but or wives, girlfriends, friends, you know, some of them might be your friend or or a future friend of yours, right? And and we want them to get home and and to continue on their life because they're doing a, a good job for us. And we want to continue that and provide, you know, financial stability for them. Yeah. And that's one of the things that we need, that we'll be talking about. We're going to talk about safety. We're going to talk about all these other things that we've kind of brought up through this discussion. And and that's kind of the genesis and kind of the goal of what we're trying to do here. A big part of it's us learning. A big part of it's us just talking and thinking through stuff and figuring out how we feel about things and, opinions on stuff that we haven't necessarily been challenged with before about the industry, but being able to do that because we don't have the 40 years of experience, but being able to learn that and hopefully help others mature along with us and learn more along with us and just create this platform to uh, shine a light on this stuff. That's, that's what it's all about for me. That's what it's all about for you. Yeah, no, agreed. I think we both have a, a common idea and goal for this podcast and what we want it to be and where we want it to go. And I want to just put it out there for anybody listening. You know, if you guys have any questions or, and topics you want us to talk about, you know, we'll have our, our emails and the website posted below in the show notes. You know, reach out to us if you have any questions. Yeah, and the website will be going live with this with this episode. Uh, it's um, www.screedtalks.com. It's www.screedtalks.com. And there you can find latest updates. Um, we'll also have a blog that we'll be working on to, and resharing different articles that we find interesting. Uh, we will also be on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter. Yeah, all the information you can find at screedtalks.com. So let us know what you think. We would love to hear from you. Any other closing thoughts there, Don? I, I know we briefly talked about Napa. And again, you know, if you have any questions on that and you're not a part of it, you know, reach out to one of us. We'll be more than happy to to hook you up with the people that you need to over there to get set up and highly recommend, you know, attending them, even if you're a guest. There's so much to be learned from it. And it's such a great experience that I highly recommend anybody get involved with this and help push our industry forward because, like we said, it's lacking in technology, but there's a lot of opportunities and that's what we're here to do. Hope to see you guys in the next one. Yeah, thanks for listening. Come check us out. Uh, like us, follow us, check out the website and, uh, yeah, we'll see you next time. We'll also have an episode up with a brief world of asphalt recap. We'll have a Bauma recap coming up soon. And then there'll be some interviews and some other topics that we'll be announcing on the website. So be sure to check it out. We appreciate you guys listening and, uh, everybody stay safe out there. Bye.